So we are continuing specifics about the virtue of cleanliness, and we are up to page 60, 65, and we're, we're going through different categories of how the sages added fences around promiscuity because there's such a tremendous desire for that, and more than just a tremendous desire, but that it is something that people are constantly uh, hit with this desire, and also something that's harder to control than other things. So they made many fences around that to ensure that people don't end up doing things that they're not allowed to do. We're up to the second paragraph. In reference to talking to a woman, it has been clearly taught, Avot, chapters of the fathers, whoever converses profusely with a woman draws harm upon himself. Now, this is a little bit of a um, unclear if the statement is referring to any type of talking to a woman profusely or specifically talking in which there is some sort of uh, inclination towards, uh, you know, towards flirting type of talking. Referring to hearing, our sages have said a woman's singing is immodest, right? This is the famous uh, idea of called the Isha Erva, that to listen to a woman singing can be considered immodest, right? There are certain ways in which um, the today the contemporary uh, poskim have said that when it comes to people praying together, if, uh, you know, the, the, and the men and women are separated and one does not actually see, the woman who is singing, and our woman singing on the other side of the of the divider, and perhaps that might be a little bit more acceptable. But to listen to a woman singing, when you know who is singing, and when you're actually able to see them singing, that can lead to lust, and therefore the sage is forbade to himself. Concerning the adultery of the mouth and the ear, which means to speak obscenities or to listen to them. And so now what we're doing is we're taking this another notch up again. And what we're saying is the, the way that you speak has a tremendous effect on the way that you think. And what we're talking about here is to use what we call nivel pas, which is a, an improper way of speaking. So the sages squawked like cranes and said, and let the eternal not see any sort of nakedness, ervas davar, among you, is referring to the nakedness of speech, i.e. obscenities in speech. And they said, because of the sin of uttering obscenities, tragedies occur and the youth of the enemies of Israel a euphemism for Israel itself, die. What's interesting is, this is the concept that the, in the Talmud, when we want to say that bad things will happen to the Jewish people, the Talmud does not use the phrase bad things will happen to the Jewish people. Because that itself is considered to be a little too close to bringing that to fruition. So instead, what we'll say is bad things will happen to the enemies of Israel, which is euphemistically understood to be referring to Israel itself. And so too, when it comes to the, the words that we use, right, the, the actual, the, the terminology that we use, it's critical to be very, very clean of mouth and to use words. And even if you want to refer to something which is dirty, so to speak, you should do it in what we call a Lushan Sagi Nahar, which means, for example, my, my grandfather, bless his memory, when he would want to say, this is, this something um, stinks, I remember one time I said that something stinks. And he said, we don't say stinks. We say it doesn't smell good. Right? He was incredibly careful with the, the words that he used. Because he felt that using specific words, it's a little bit more of a coarse way of speaking. It's an easier way to speak, but it's a coarser way of speaking. And that's not the, what we're supposed to be doing. So the, the, the words that you could be using to describe an event, you could be using just a very clean word for the same event. And really, it's just talking about the same thing. It's just semantics. But no, the sages recognize that giving yourself license to speak in a coarse fashion causes you to think in a coarse fashion as well. 
And whoever uses filthy language is given the depths of Gehenim. And here's a, a you know, really interesting one. And they say, everyone knows why a bride stands under the marriage canopy. But anyone who pollutes his mouth in speaking of this will find that even a decree of 70 good years is converted into a decree of misfortune. Right? So we know why people get together and they're getting married. But that being said, you, you could think it possibly, and that might not be so appropriate either. But to then actually go ahead and actually speak about this matter with someone else, that already is an incredibly strong language that the sages use, that even a decree that there's supposed to be 70 good years coming to this fellow can be completely destroyed based on in this one, one moment. And they have said in the Talmud, even a frivolous conversation between husband and wife is reviewed at the moment of his judgment. They're trying to impress upon us that everything that we do has consequences. With reference to this evil type of listening, they added, this includes even the one who just hears it and is silent. As it says, he who has incurred the eternal's wrath shall fall therein. Now, big question. What does this mean exactly? I hear someone else using a, an improper way of speaking. I'm silent because I don't want to say anything. What should I do? Should I go over and say something to them? They're not going to listen to me anyways, right? So this gets into a big category of questions in general when it comes to correcting someone of their behavior, right? The Torah itself gives us a, a, a mitzvah, right? That correct you shall surely rebuke, rebuke you shall surely rebuke your, your amisacha, the, the member of your nation. On the other hand, we have in close proximity that you also have to be careful to... Um, to be a right? And right? That you have to love your, your neighbor like yourself. And that you can't hate someone in your heart. So the sages understand that there's a very, very fine line between giving someone rebuke in a way that can be accepted. And if it will not be accepted, then to rebuke them is counterproductive because you're causing them to double down in their behavior and just causing a bad relationship between the two of you. So what this means over here, presumably, is if you hear someone using foul language, they're not going to listen to you if you ask them to stop. So perhaps what it means is to say to yourself, underneath your breath even, this is not the appropriate way to speak. And it seems like a little bit silly almost. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring home the point to yourself, at least, that this is something that you're not, it's not acceptable to you. Right? I just heard today, actually, a story from someone. Uh, he was describing in, in Israel, famously, Kikar Shabbat, which is the intersection of Geula and uh, the intersection of... Um, Mea Sha'arim and Shiftei, not Shiftei, Mea Sha'arim and Nu, Avadia. What's the other one? Mea Sha'arim and... It's Rehob Viafu and I think Shlom Tzion Amalka or... No, that's Avidika, but Kikar... No, no, that's where it used to be the the movie theater in the corner. Yeah, Kikar Shabbat, I think that's where it's Rehob Viafu and Ben Yehuda. Okay, so, so that the, the, the reason why it's called Kikar Shabbat is because there were always demonstrations there that when the right. religious Jews of, of Geula would see, of Meir Sharim, they would see that people are driving on Shabbat. They would say, Shabbat, 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 and they would scream and scream and scream. And the question is, is that really an effective way of getting people not to drive, to scream at them, right? Probably more effective to actually to stand there with a plate of Chalant and Kishka and say, hey, if you stop driving your car, you can come get some Chalant and Kishka. I'm not sure, I'm not saying it would work either, but probably more effective. So some people have the practice that they don't say it out loud. Or Shlomo Zalman Orbach, a blessed memory, famously would never say it out loud, but he would whisper under his breath. If he would see somebody driving on Shabbos, he would say, Shabbos, 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 right? He whispered it for himself. He didn't whisper it for anybody else. He knew there was not going to be any effect 
to him saying that. But he whispered it for himself. He didn't want to forget what this was like. The story I heard today was about a fellow speaking about his grandfather. And his grandfather, the first time he saw somebody, grew up in Israel in, in before, the, before the state of Israel. And the first time he saw somebody driving on Shabbos, he was so shocked to see a Jew driving on Shabbos that he fainted on the spot. And they revived him. The next Shabbos, he's walking and he sees someone driving on Shabbos, doesn't faint. It hurts him, but he doesn't faint. He said, I realize I'm getting desensitized to the violation of Shabbos. So the way this guy said over the story, his grandfather did not leave his house on Shabbos to a place where people might be driving the rest of his life because he didn't want to desensitize himself. So I think it's very similar over here. You hear somebody saying something, if you walk over to someone today and say, hey, please don't use that type of language in front of me, normally that's not going to end so well, right? They call you a namby pam. They're, they're going to call you a goody two-shoes. It's not going to work. So, but instead what it means is perhaps to say it to yourself. Although as I'm saying it, I'm remembering that my wife, Leah, she had a coworker who actually did, did have a foul mouth. And one time she emailed him like, this is unacceptable. Please don't talk like that in front of me. And he actually did listen. So it could be sometimes it does work. Okay, to be continued tomorrow night. Take care, everyone. Be well.